0: I'm so glad you're in the house. You can uh, give three people a high five. Tell them, get ready for your comeback and grab your seat right now. Magnificent, magnificent. Well, it's just delightful to be here. Um, And in this month of miracles and all that God's doing, I'm, I'm excited about stories like that that we just heard, Teresa, just Absolutely fantastic. I just, before I get going, I, I, over here, okay, a second row, right on the end. Mate, what, what's, you, what's your name? That's Maddie. Matt. Ah, see, it's in the dark. I'm confusing you. This Okay, this is good. Matt's got triplets, everybody. So you should just be really nice to him, encourage him, pray for him. They were going for number four, just going for their fourth and got six. And uh, they're, they're just great people uh, in here. So just say good day to him a little bit later on. Encourage him. Fantastic. The gentleman on the multimedia desk, whose name escapes me right now, James. James, you're fairly new to our church, and I see you there. You've jumped straight into the dream team, which is sensational. Um, I just, I got a picture for you, and it's a picture of like a of a rainbow. And the rainbow from God was a symbol of a promise that that there would be no more destruction the way that there was destruction. It's a, a promise of God's faithfulness. I just hear God speaking to you today. That I see this rainbow over you in that sense. And God's saying, I don't, I actually, I don't know your story at all, but I feel like God wants you to know that the destruction that you've experienced in the past is in the past. It won't be repeated. God's going to be faithful to you. And I just feel like you can, you can kind of shake off maybe a little bit of fear and second guessing of yourself as you move into the future because God's got your back and what you've experienced won't be experienced again. In fact, God will take it and He'll turn it for good and it'll become part of who you are and your message for the future. So I hope that makes sense and encourages you today. Is that all right, James? Good on you, mate. God bless you. Give all the production team a big clap up the back there. Doing such a great job. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. All right. Thank you, Musos. You may head to your seat. Uh, I just want to join with Danielle welcoming you here. Uh, If it's your first time, if it's your first Sunday, so glad you're with us, or second or third. Uh, Really delighted that you're here. If you're looking for a church, uh, we would be very honored if you made this your church home. Uh, If you are new to the church, even in the last few months, and I met Dottie a little bit earlier, who's been coming this year. It's funny, our church is at that stage of size where you meet people who have been coming for quite a while. And you get to meet them. And so welcome, Dottie, to church. It's great to have you here. And so if you are kind of new and you want to know a bit more about us, on the first Sunday of November, we do our Next Step sessions, and that's pretty much Welcome to C3. And you'll really get to find more about what happens around here, a bit of our history. I want to encourage you to go to that. It's in the second service or the night service. So I really encourage you to go to that. Uh, if, you're, if maybe you're new to church and don't have a relationship with God, you, you don't you've never made a personal connection with Him, uh, my prayer is that through today and services that we're having, that you will make that connection, you'll experience the reality of God, His kindness, and He'll come. you'll let Him come into your life and it'll change everything for you, okay? It would be an absolute game changer. Uh, I want to welcome everybody listening on podcast and to those who are watching on live stream YouTube right now. Uh, they're not actually, that was just a faith statement. Okay, just a faith statement. But that is going to happen. And to make that happen, we need camera people and, t- and video people. All right, just, just to help you out. So we have a new team in the church called the film team. And uh, do, we, do we officially we know who's the leader of that or? Okay, I just wanted to make sure he's been asked. Toby is the leader of the film team, and uh, and so our aim is that we're going to, once uh, Sunday mornings, we will be live streaming on YouTube so that people all around the world, we've got people all around the world who listen to our podcasts, and sometimes you can't make it to church for whatever reason, and you want to tune in. So to make it happen, we just need a great team. You can be trained to be a camera person, uh, or you can be, if you've got like a bit of a technical skills, we can train you, and who thinks that would be cool to get that up and running. So if you want to be part of that team, why don't you go to the service desk afterwards and say, hey, sign me up for the film TV, the film team, not to be on TV, but the film team. All right. Sweet. All right. In our month of miracles today, uh, I want to talk to you about overcoming faith. I want to talk to you about bouncing back from a setback. Uh, there's a, a great story in, in the uh, NFL in America, a guy by the name of Jim Marshall was playing for the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, in the first half of this nationally televised game, he was a defensive player, the opposition fumbled, Jim picked up the ball and ran 65 yards for a touchdown, but it was the wrong way. He ran the wrong way, got over into their line, spiked the ball, went to celebrate. And of course, the other team went ballistic. You just scored a touchdown for us. Uh, their team was, was given two points. Uh, this is what he says. The shame was overpowering. National TV, crowded stadium. It was one of the most devastating moments of my life. During halftime, this thought came to him. I can either live in the misery of this mistake, or I can do something about it. Everybody say, it's time to make a comeback from your setback. So pulling himself together during the second half, he played one of the, the best games he'd ever played. Uh, he picked up another fumble, which was part of their team scoring a, another touchdown. His team, the Vikings won, and uh, it was a great turnaround that became a great celebration, not just for that game, but for his career. And then he actually went around encouraging people about how to uh, make a comeback from their setbacks. I want to tell you today, it's time maybe if you've had some sort of setback in your faith journey, it's time to bounce back from that setback. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time for you to bounce back. Uh, now this week I shared as we had early morning prayer meetings that we'd had our meeting with, uh, council on Monday morning about our, the zoning of Rainforest Drive. And we were praying and believing God that there would be a change in the zoning of Rainforest Drive, which we would, we, we, uh, would see tripling the value of that land and being a key point in the moving forward of our, uh, our faith goal towards uh, building $10 million facilities debt free on Power Road. Now we sat in that meeting and it it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Uh, the council were there. They were very polite, but they just said, there's no, there's no way that you're going to be able to change the zoning from what it is to, to any kind of zoning that's going to have permanent residency, an aged care facility or, or school or anything like that. And can I tell you that meeting was at that point, it was a kick in the guts, it was an emotional kick in the guts. So it was a disappointment um, for me personally in that moment and I know for us as a church. And, and so this morning, I want to talk through the journey that all of us will go through at different points when we're believing for something and we get a, the, something the opposite happens, a, a bad report from the doctor, when we get a, a, a no on that house we were believing for, when, when we're believing for a turnaround in a relationship and it seems to go worse, when we're believing for the self salvation of somebody, and they, they, they push back harder on us against what we're sharing with them. There's so many ways that when you're believing for a miracle, you can have a setback. And I want to help us this morning to understand, well, how do you respond? How do you bounce back from a setback? Are we ready to go here today? This might help some of the all-black supporters here in the house as well. All right. The first one is faith does not deny real emotions. Faith does not deny real emotions. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse three to four, it tells us this, that David and his men came to the city, their own city was Ziklag, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. That's a bad day. That's a setback. Their whole town had been burned to the ground. Wives, kids, everything they owned had been stolen away. And so what did David say? He didn't say, oh, it's all good. that's no problem it's all good God's good it's going to be fine this is what it says then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep now later on David did something else that we'll talk about but first of all his natural response in the moment of a major setback and a major disappointment was to weep because faith does not deny real emotions Jesus, when he came to his friend Lazarus, who was dead and he died and he knew he was going to do a miracle, but something happened. The Bible said he got angry in his spirit, but he also wept. He didn't just say, no, no, it's all good. Lazarus is going to be fine. The Bible said Jesus wept. If you want to start memorizing a verse in the Bible, that's probably the first one to start with. It just says Jesus wept. Boom. You've got it. You've got that scripture sorted. He wept because he embraced real emotions. Uh, I want to talk to us as a, as a church family. When someone gets uh, disappointing news, when something doesn't happen the way that they were believing for it, the way we respond as a church family is really important. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. So if someone's had a setback and they're, and they're disappointed and they're weeping, we don't come along beside them and go, no, lift your chin up. God's got this covered we don't we don't we don't, we're encouraging but we understand that, that what people often need in the moment of disappointment is someone to put the arm around the shoulders and to walk it through with them and to weep when they're weeping. The Bible tells us this um uh, in in uh 1 Corinthians that these things will last forever. Faith, hope and love and the greatest of these things is not faith, it's love. Sometimes because of a broken heart, I'm not ready for a message or encouragement of faith. I don't even seem to see through the darkness of now circumstance. What I need is love. And for us to be sensitive to one another where somebody's up to is really a vital thing for us. Another part of that is that we make sure we don't project our faith for a circumstance onto somebody else's. Because sometimes your level of faith, a person's level of faith says, well, I'm happy to accept this and keep moving forward. Uh, And you might be going, no, 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 God wants something better for you. Be very careful you don't project your own faith level and experience onto somebody else. The great question to ask when you go to pray for somebody is is not so much uh, telling them what they should believe, but asking, what are you believing for so that I can believe with you? And we can match and walk together in, in agreement, allowing people who have had a setback to not deny their real emotions, but to walk through that journey together. That's the first thing. The second thing when someone's had a setback is we've been in the whole journey of believing God for the promises that he's given us. We're a faith church. We're a supernatural church. We want to believe God for miracles and the impossible. Can I, can I tell you though, that's never a smooth road not how it works so what we need to do is predetermine to trust God and worship him no matter what happens no matter what happens predetermine your default your factory setting what's going to happen if it goes to custard make a decision you're not going to walk away from God because the circumstances didn't go awesome you're going to, you've made a decision, a predetermined decision, that no matter what happens, I am going to believe in the goodness of God and I'm going to choose to worship Him come hell or high water because His nature is not changing. I love when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. This is what they said. They said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve, He's able to save us. We know God can save. We know He can heal. We know he can, he can deliver. We know he can save us from that bankruptcy. We know he can. And this is what he goes on and he says, and he makes a faith statement and he will rescue us from your power, O majesty. That's faith speaking at that moment. But then he says this, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you We will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Even if God doesn't come through, we're going to only worship him. We're going to only give him praise. And throughout history, there have been many martyrs who have believed for God to deliver them but had predetermined in their heart that they would worship God no matter what the circumstances through their way. I love Job. After he heard the news that his children and his crops and, and all these things had been destroyed, the Bible says Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. He shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. He grieved. Emotion was real. But he fell to the ground in worship. He made this statement. I came naked from my mother's womb and I'll be naked when I leave. Just like Peter was telling us today. Well, I'm not taking anything with me at that funeral. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. He predetermined that he believed that God was good despite what any circumstance might tell him. God was good. And that leads me to the next thing. We've got to make sure that we don't interpret God or his will through our circumstances. You cannot decide what God's like based on whether you've had a good week or a bad week. The Bible tells us God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's, he's, he's not up and now. I, I'd like to pray for people for healing in church and, and wherever I can. And can I tell you, if I'd made a decision that I would believe that God wanted to heal, only if everybody got healed, then something would be wrong. I cannot interpret God's theology through my experience where one person gets healed and another person doesn't get healed. I can't make up my mind and go, well, God is 50% a healer. He's a healer. That's His nature. I cannot. I have to make a decision in my heart that I'm not going to pull God down to the level of my experience. I'm going to pull my experience up to what the Bible tells me God is. I'm not going to change my mind the fact that God is uh, Jehovah Jireh, the provider who wants to prosper me. I'm not going to change my mind that He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who wants to heal me. I'm not going to let my circumstances uh, dictate to me how I think about God and who he is. I am gonna to dictate to my circumstances who God is, and I've predetermined that decision that I will believe who God is. I remember meeting a couple who came to me once, and they they they'd been in a church that had encouraged them about God's blessing and financial blessing, and they'd stepped out and they'd given and they'd stretched and they'd crashed. They'd had a faith crash. And they sat down with me and told me the things that they loved about our church, but then proceeded to tell me, oh, you've got to understand that God doesn't want to prosper people. I said, oh, how come? And then they didn't open the Bible. They just told me about their experience. And their experience was that they crashed, that it hadn't worked, and they therefore determined to bring their level of expectation down to their experience because that was less painful. That was less challenging. And that was their experience. But the Bible tells us that God's ways are higher than our ways. His ways are, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And the challenge for all of us is somehow in the middle of our circumstances to, to sometimes you've just got to go, God, I just don't get it. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to believe in your goodness No matter what I see this side of eternity, that is mature faith. You know, some of the most faith-filled people that I know have walked through challenging circumstances and seen a loved one die that they were believing for healing have gone bankrupt and and actually when they were believing for God's prosperity, and they've walked through this journey with a a straightness in their spirit, embracing the pain that's gone with that, but continuing to turn up and say, God, I don't get it, but I know that you are good. That's why I love that song we sing about him. You are good no matter what happens. You are good, God, no matter what, what happens. I've predetermined that decision. Sometimes faith and the highest form of faith is living above the level of your current circumstance with a buoyancy, a joy and a believing that God still wants to intervene without seeing anything change. Sometimes that's the most powerful form of faith, equally as powerful as the faith that sees the miracle come to pass. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, it's a chapter of the heroes of the faith of the Bible. And it says, talks about these ones who saw God answer their promises, who believed God, He came through for them. And then it talks about others who said who died in faith, not seeing the promises come to pass. Is one more powerful than the other? No, both of them's faith. Both of them remaining believing, trusting, believing in the goodness of God, believing they'll see it in the land of the living. But when they die, they go to a better place, but they lived in faith. And that is what God's looking for in his people. People who will continually choose to believe in his goodness and to believe in who he is. We're we helping anybody here this morning. All right. Here's, a, here's another thought as we're going, we get, get a setback. Don't get stuck on the how focus on the who i'm going to explain this sometimes we can get so locked in believing for the miracle and it's going to happen this way and then when it doesn't happen that way we just do a little dummy spit and walk away and they like, were going to change the zoning on that land and it was going to be three times how much it was and what's going on god you, you didn't do the miracle that you promised us and then they go hang on a minute He never promised us that they'd change the zoning. He he promised us that our land would yield its increase. So the issue is not not how it happens. The issue is stepping back and go, well, who's going to make that happen? Who's going to make that happen? Because if you get stuck in on, on, on specifics and lock in and like, unless that happens and God hasn't done a miracle, you can sometimes miss exactly what God wants to do. I remember we, the first house that Daniel and I believed for, and we we're believing to buy our own house, and, and the first house, we were like, this is it, awesome, we've got it, and then we had a, a, a building inspection, and there was cracks all through it, it's like, that's a setback, so what do we go, do we go, God heal the cracks in the wall supernaturally, no, no we didn't, we go, okay, we step back, because it's not about how he's going to fulfill that promise that he's given us, it's not that house, it's just we know God's going to do it, so then we find the next place, and I'm convinced this next place is the house. I'm like, this is the house. And here's the thing faith, God loves bold impossible, specific prayers. That's the best type of prayer to pray. Bold, impossible, specific prayers. He loves that. He's like, awesome. They want me to show off. That's my speciality. So you're doing that. You're praying into this thing for a healing, a miracle, whatever it might be. And so so we're doing that. I find this house. Daniel and I look at you. This is the house, God. I drive past it. This is our house. I claim this house. Thank you, God, for this house. And we offer them a ridiculous amount of money because that's all we could afford below what it was worth. And then somebody else had the audacity to come along and put a contract on it above our offer. I mean, what? That's our house. I've seen it. It's a miracle. It's coming our way. And then, like seriously, I'm stalking the house, binding them off it. They're not going to move in. This is our house. I literally parked my car out the front of the house as they moved in to this house that they just bought. I remember that moment. I'm like, again, disappointment. (sighs) Kicking the guts. I really thought that was the house God. But you've got to make a decision. It's not how God's going to answer the prayer. It's who's going to answer the prayer. The promise hasn't changed how it's going to work out. And here's what somebody taught me as a young Christian that it's helped me in great stead. It's this, that every prayer you pray, every faith that you put towards a specific thing that you think is plan A but God knows is not, God easily, when that one closes, he just rolls it over to what was his mind, was always plan A. To you, that was plan B, but in God's mind, it was he just wanted you to exercise your faith. He wants you to stir up your belief for a specific thing, and then he'll move it forward to that actual thing. We're in a building like that church right now, that was God's, in my mind, was plan C, but in God's mind was plan A. And we prayed and prayed for two other things to happen before we got here. But God wasn't surprised. He knew all along. Was the prayers that we prayed before that wrong? No. They were specific. They were bold. They were impossible. They pleased God. And he just redirected them to the actual answer. That's how prayer works. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not how, it's who. God's got this for you. He's got this for you. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5 says, with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Oh, come on. If you're anything like me, every now and then you'll just try and work it out to help God. Come on, if you're anything like me, you know how Sanders has got his little helpers? then then we're God's little helpers Lord I know you're stuck on how to work this miracle out so I've just been thinking while I've been praying and I've got some great ideas in fact in case you haven't heard or thought of this solution I've worked it out I've done a 10-point plan if you could just take that I'm going to manufacture a miracle for you to get going come on you've done that too you've done that too not how doesn't matter how God likes the crazier, the better. He gets the glory. He likes the surprises. He likes, uh, he likes the, the, the 10 plagues to come through Egypt. So he gets the ultimate glory. And every time it looked like setback, setback, setback. But God's like, you got no idea how I'm going to do this, do you? You just better remember who's in charge here. I'm in charge here, I do the miracles, you do the worship, you do the believing, you do the faith thing, but when it comes to how it's going to happen, leave that up to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge Him in your path, and He'll direct your paths. He'll direct your paths. All right, let's keep moving on. Uh, Don't, uh, here's one for me and for everybody else, don't put a timeline on your miracle. Oh, some, I don't know, you've ever thought this? Somehow, if I put a deadline on the prayer, I'm going to back God into a corner and he's going to have to answer me. So God, if by the 31st of December this year, you haven't answered my prayer, well, that's it. I'm packing up my bags and my bat and ball and I'm going home. I'm not going to play anymore. And you're like, haha, I got you, God. Backed you into a corner, didn't I? I, I, and I fasted. So now you're like, a, it's a hostage situation. I fasted, and I put a deadline on it. And so you're just, you're now, uh, it's a hostage. If you don't do this, you're going to look really bad, God. Come on, get get with my program, God. And he goes, actually, it's not your program. It's my program. And actually, I like seems as you've been believing for this miracle and you're squeezed into a corner, you've been doing a whole lot more praying and worshiping. Actually, that's what I really want. I like this relationship more than the miracle. I like you talking to me. So don't go thinking you're going to twist my arm and do something for you if you just squeeze your, you know, your, yourself a little bit harder when you're praying. It's like, come on. Come on. You can't, you can't make it happen. You can't manufacture it. Now it's okay to have a sense of timeline, but, but I read the stories in the Bible and when it comes to timeline, a lot of them are quite discouraging. At 75, God says, Abraham, you're going to have a baby and be the father of many nations. 25 freaking years later. It's like, oh, when God says suddenly, it's not in the same dictionary as my Suddenly. When God says, I'm going to move in this situation for you, uh, all of a sudden you go, okay, that's right, a day is to a thousand years, the Lord, a thousand years, okay, eternity time, okay, forget about the timelines, forget about, just, here's the thing, if you put a timeline on and then you're out, you actually miss out on what God's wanting to do often, because he's wanting to develop, and the Bible tells us this, through faith and perseverance, they inherited the promises of God. Faith and perseverance. There's something inside of you that God's wanting to draw out of you. All right, we're doing okay here, so don't put a timeline on God. The next one. All right, this. right, let's get back to David. He cried and cried and cried till he could shed no more tears because of what had happened to his family and to his wife and, and his kids and his possessions. He cried, so he expressed the grief. But then in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, David now is greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Welcome to leadership. Because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Sometimes we've got to learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. How do I? How, the, the 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 opposites happen. I got that emotional kick in the guts. I've cried for a little while. I've sat down for a moment. But but here we, here we go. Faith is actually about what? How quickly can you bounce back? How quickly can you, can you take that, process that, but then get up and continue to believe God? And so we've got to learn, how do you strengthen yourself in the Lord? Well, sometimes you, you do exactly what Pastor Danielle was saying last week with her message. You go back to the promises of God, which are the Word of God, the rhema words of God. They're the sword. Remember the, the sword last week, the floppy sword and the big sword, all right? You go back to the sword and you begin again to go, well, the circumstances have changed, but God's promise hasn't changed. I'm going to speak the promise of God out loud. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. As you speak it out loud, it produces faith in your heart. It cuts off all the doubt and flesh. You speak the Word of God. Sometimes I'll go back and I'll re-listen to the prophecies. I've got them on my phone recorded. Someone prophesied about this situation. Vicki Simpson prophesied for our church about building landmark facilities and God getting all the glory. I listened to it this week after that setback. One of the things that she prophesied was God will shut what no man can shut and open what no man can open. I'm like, okay, God, we've just had a door close." But only you can open in some way. So just faith began to surge. This is not a surprise to you, Lord. You knew what was happening all the time. I'm coming back to your word, your promise, your prophecies. Listen to the prophecies. Okay, immerse yourself in a faith-building atmosphere. Faith is a spirit. And so it's an atmosphere. So we got to make sure we surround ourselves with, with people who've got a spirit of faith on them, a spirit that, that be, not just positive people, but people who believe the promises of God. I love to sing songs of faith. I love being here on Tuesday night as we prayed and worshiped, and we sang this song that our team wrote, I'm standing on the promises of God. And you can feel it. It's like David said this, Psalm 32, verse 7. You're my hiding place. You protect me from trouble, and you surround me with songs of victory. Sometimes you've just got to sing a song of victory. You've got to, you know, I grew up, when I first learned about faith, Phil Pringle had written this song, I walk by faith, each step I take. And I would just sing it. And whenever I'd face an impossible circumstance I was believing God for, I would wear that to death and go, come on, I walk by faith, each step. And so the song of the day is I'm standing on the promises of God. It's our time, it's our turn. And that song produces faith on the inside of you. Sing the song of faith for a new day. What else do you do? Listen to preaching messages that have a spirit of faith on them. When my business was going through an impossible circumstance, we were losing five grand a month. we were getting very close to losing everything. Uh, I was in a battle of faith. And when you're in a battle of faith, you've got to learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And so in that battle of faith, there was two particular preachers that I would listen to. One was Phil Pringle. And you know what? I listened to the same messages over and over and over and over again, because it wasn't about the information. It was about the spirit that was on the preaching and I'll listen to it. And sometimes I just listen for 10 minutes and go, that's enough. That's washed onto me. Now I'm going to take that spirit and I want to make it not a borrowed spirit, but I want to make it my own. And therefore the only way you make it your own is not by listening. It's by listening, getting it on you, but then it's praying and declaring and singing and prophesying and overcoming. Spirit of faith, get it on you, get it on you. Uh, what else? Hang around with people. I'll read books. Can I encourage you? If you're in a faith miracle journey right now, um, The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson is a brilliant uh, book about prayer and believing God. And it would be a great thing to encourage yourself in believing God. Uh, if you're facing a situation with a with a financial need, I have a prayer meeting I run once a month. It's on this Wednesday morning from six till seven. It's primarily for people who've got the gift of giving, but, but I would open it up to include anyone who's facing an impossible situation and needs a financial miracle. Come along and pray from six to seven, and you'll find the spirit of faith that's on me and on my life and on this church, it will get onto you as you learn to pray according to the promises of God. All right. Learn to strengthen yourself in the Lord. We're doing okay. A couple more things. There's more going on in the unseen realm. Sometimes when there's a setback, you don't realize what's going on. God's moving the chess pieces. You don't know. What's, what's he doing? I remember we once tried to sell a property. Uh, and that property, we eventually, we felt like God said, it's going to sell for 215 we eventually settled to sell it for about 192. It drew right out. And we're like, oh, whatever. We'll just take it. Manufacture our own miracle. Done that. Okay, we'll take it. And it eventually stretches out and it fell over. We're like, God, setback. What, what, what? Go back to the promises. Start to declare the promises. The next day, in the area that we were trying to sell, there was a discovery of liquid gas, new gas. And instantly, within a day, we'd sold our property for $215,000. Sometimes the setback is just God saying, hold, I'm moving the chess pieces into place. Just keep trusting me. Keep believing me. I'm moving things into place because your miracle is coming. I'm trying to help some people here today. Sometimes you don't know what's going on in the spirit realm as you're praying and fasting and nothing seems to be happening. But there's been a stronghold perched up over your life, over your family, a demonic assignment against you that's been there for years, It's and it's dug in, and it's settled in. And you don't realize, but every time you pray, every time you speak the promise of God, every time you fast, there's an erosion going on underneath this thing. You're stripping of, it, of its power. And then one day, suddenly, that thing is going to crumple down, and you'll break through. And you're like, oh, that happened in a day. No, that happened over time. You don't know what's going on in the spirit realm. Every prayer you pray makes a difference. Every word you speak in the spirit realm makes a difference. It breaks strongholds, erodes spiritual strongholds. God is building your spiritual muscle. Often that's what's happening in the spirit realm. You don't know it. This is training for the future. You're you're dealing with lions and bears because God's got a Goliath for you one day and then he's got a kingdom to rule and right now he's just building your spiritual muscle preparing you for the future. Sometimes the greatest season of growth you're going to go through as a Christian will be when there's kingdom reversals. Things aren't working, they've gone wrong and you have to make the choice to believe God, trust God, worship God, dust yourself up. The righteous man falls but gets up again seven times awesome things are happening in your life. The last thing, the last thing. Sometimes there's stuff that we won't understand what's, what was going on until we get to heaven. We just, we won't understand. And as at those times you've got to step back and go, all right, I already predetermined that I'd trust the goodness of God. He's good. He's a loving father. He's not going to let anything happen to me that he knows that I can't handle. He's worth worshipping, and I'm going to develop a spirit of worship in my life and trust that one day everything's going to make sense. It might not on this side of eternity, but one day it will. One day it will. I want to remind us this, and this is really important. Let's remember that heaven's number one priority is reaching the lost. God's number one priority is not your comfort as a Christian. His number one priority is, for, is not for Christians to get healed. His number one priority is not for you to be wealthy. His number one priority is not that you're happy. His number one priority is not that we're immune from the pain and suffering of living in this world. That's not God's number one priority. If that was God's number one priority, there's no way he would have sent Jesus. Why would a loving father let his son go to a cross and be tortured in a terrible painful death except that God has a higher priority than his son's comfort and the higher priority is the reaching of a lost world and if you would let his son go through pain and suffering and trauma because of an eternal purpose then maybe he'll allow us sometimes to go through something that doesn't make sense Romans 8, 28 says this, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Often we don't read that last bit. Everything works together for good for those who love God. But what about his purpose? His primary purpose is that people right now who don't know him will be born again. His children who are away from him will come back to him. And we've got to realize that sometimes God will use our pain as an entry point into a group of people that we would not have had access to if it wasn't for our pain. And while we're waiting for our miracle, while we're waiting for our healing, while we're waiting for our turnaround, let's open our eyes to the bigger picture because maybe this pain puts me in contact and context with a group of people who now I can relate to and I can become a bridge into the kingdom of God. going to finish with this story. A pastor in Australia called Phil Camden told this story. He's been diagnosed with motor neurone disease, terminal disease. He'd seen lots of people healed from all sorts of different things. But when he was diagnosed with that disease, he felt like, and he was going to believe for healing, and it still is. But he felt like God said to him, Phil, he got a letter saying what he had. This letter is a visa for you to go into a group of people and community that you would otherwise not reach. A visa gets you into a country where you couldn't go before. And he said, this is going to get you into a world of people who are in pain. And when they can see that you relate with their pain, you'll be able to lead them to the higher purpose that I have, which is salvation. And so he's led numbers of people who are dying and have died of motor neurone disease to Christ Because God's highest priority is not our comfort. It's lost people coming to Him. I pray we'd always be a church whose highest priority is reaching lost people. That it would be the greatest miracle that would give us the greatest joy. Can I close with this statement? I pray we'd always be a church who believes God for His very best, who trusts and worships Him no matter what happens who love and support each other through the highs and the lows in every season of life, but who's always keeps our number one priority, reaching people who are far from God. Can that be our prayer together? I think there's a maturity and a depth if we have that perspective. Let's pray together right now. Father, I'm praying right across this place that you would move in every heart I thank you for all the people that you're calling to this church to meet you, to have their lives and eternity transformed. Help us be part of that journey. Help us recognize the spheres of influence that you're giving us access to. Anoint us for it. Lord, I'm praying for every person here today who's had a setback, who's been discouraged, who hasn't yet seen what they're believing God for. Strengthen us, encourage us, speak to us, help us, I pray. We're standing on your promises, God, because we're aligned to your purpose. Encourage us today. Let courage come, let courage come, let courage come.